Hello and welcome to the Herbert Smith Freehills Private Wealth and Charities podcast. My name is Hussein Mathani. I am an associate in the Dispute and Charities and Private Wealth team at Herbert Smith Freehills. I'm joined today by Richard Norwich, who is a partner in the Dispute and Private Wealth team and is the head of the charities practice here in London. This is the long-awaited sequel to our first podcast with Mr. Richard Honey QC who is a trustee of a charity which supports a university in Sierra Leone called the University of McKinney. This is the second, as I mentioned, in the series of podcasts with Richard Honey, where we will be talking more about the charity and how it operates. In part one, we mentioned the background, and if you haven't listened to part one yet, please do. Uh, Richard, how are you today? Good, thank you. Great, thank you. Uh, so, Richard, um, I guess the first place to to start is the University of McKenney is a university based in McKenney in Sierra Leone. And as the uh, English charity supports that university, it would be fair to say that the English charity is an international charity. And one of the things that our listeners will be interested in is what challenges uh, you face as a trustee of an international charity. Yes. Well, we were set up with two English-based trustees and one based in McKenney. We've since then added another UK-based trustee. Um, And it is definitely challenging. I mean, most of the concrete actions that we've taken, I think all of them with with the charity, apart from the the discussions leading up to it, uh, have been during COVID. So the charity was formally established at the end of 2020, uh, but COVID has meant that we've not been able to travel to McKenney. Um, There are, I suppose, pros and cons, really, of the COVID situation, because one upside is that the technology of video and voice calls has really helped. Um, And we've been able to have meetings uh, of the UK and Sierra Leone-based trustees online, um, and indeed have meetings with the staff of the University of McKenney through video and, and voice calls. And indeed, it's helped for the UK trustees as well as we're spread around England in Kent and Sheffield and Liverpool, for example. Um, but it has been difficult not being able to get to Sierra Leone. Two of the three UK trustees are very familiar with the University of McKenney, either having spent some time um, uh, uh, in McKenney or having visited a number of times but it has been difficult not being able to visit uh, and uh, meet people face to face so it has made things much slower and I think frankly um, it's the combination of um, Covid and the international basis of the charity which has had pros and cons but has definitely been a challenge for us. That's very interesting to hear and I I can imagine that is quite a challenge not being able to physically go to the university or physically see what, what's happening. Are there any plans for uh, the trustees to, to go to the uh, university in the, uh, in the near future? Yes, well, certainly I'm planning to go out in the autumn, the idea being that we hopefully will have been able to advance things with the current work that we're doing uh, and then um, almost um, nail things down, as it were, with a face-to-face visit. And I think 
you know, there, there are advantages, you know, if you're sitting down and writing a strategy document, for example, it doesn't matter whether you're doing that in McKenney or England and the technology now compared to uh, say 2012 when I first visited um, McKenney makes things so much better. But I think really to ensure that we get off to a really um, good starting practical relationship with the University of McKenney, it's going to have to be done face to face. No, absolutely. absolutely. Um, that, that's, that's great to hear that you're going out there uh, relatively soon. Um, a, a question I had just following on from from that uh, is you, you mentioned that there are UK trustees. Are there any trustees based in Sierra Leone? Yes, one of the um, trustees is based in McKenney. Uh, and we, we've also got um, the um, former head of the law department at McKenney, who's on a sabbatical at the moment, Benedict Jallo, who's working with us to, I suppose, act as a bit of a bridge between the charity and the university. So he's not a trustee, but he's someone um, that the, the UK-based trustees know very well uh, and is on the ground in McKenney as well, so is able to um, help with facilitating things. But um, yeah, we've got Benedict and uh, one trustee based in McKenney. Yes, and uh, if, if I remember correctly, um, I think the trustee based in McKenney was appointed by the university and I believe he is a, a reverend or, or a priest of, of some sort. Is that right? Yeah, Bob John Karoma. Um, the university was set up um, originally or grew out of um, a, a religious organisation in Sierra Leone, the Catholic Church. It was the brainchild, I think, of um, a Catholic bishop of McKenney. Uh, and that's the origins of it. And so we've found that many of the people you come across are um, not only professors or doctors, but reverends as well. So I need to be very careful about making sure that I address people appropriately. <laughs> yes, uh, I, can, I can imagine. Uh, and I, I, yeah, is it helpful to have someone kind of on the ground there who, who is appointed by the university? Does that make that, that bridge between the charity and the university easier? Yes, I think it does. I mean, obviously, uh, um, it, it, there's a tension there. We need to be close to the university in terms of um, properly understanding it and having a good practical working relationship um, with them. But the whole reason for us existing is to be um, uh, independent and objective in relation to the ability to to, to shepherd the um, the funds that are looking to be raised and to undertake the kind of monitoring role to make sure that things are being spent appropriately and so on and that obviously requires us to be at arm's length so you know developing that kind of relationship in the coming years will be uh, I suspect a challenge, but I think the personal relationships exist in a way that will make it happen. And frankly, the discussions that we've been having over the last 18 months or so have always you know, been very, we've been very clear about what our role is and that we are um, independent from the university and it's important to ensure that that message is getting across loud and clear so that the relationship is built on that kind of firm foundation. No absolutely um, and, and that's very helpful to know. So 
I want to kind of move on now to talk about the charity over the last 18 months or so and everyone's favorite topic, which is regulation. And I guess you know, the, the first question I have in, in this respect is what have you and, and the other trustees found most challenging from a regulatory perspective? Uh, in particular, given that you're operating in Sierra Leone and um, it's not the easiest jurisdiction to operate in, I think it would be fair to say. Yes. Well, I think, I mean, at the moment, the truth is that we have not been taking practical steps. So, you know, we've not had any money in, for example. So there are some regulatory things that we have not yet had to grapple with um, because we're taking time to make sure that we get, you know, that the working relationship and the firm foundations properly worked through and, and documented before we start um, doing anything in practice to avoid you know, the obvious pitfalls of hurrying forward with this. But you know, obviously we are having to comply with the regulatory requirements. And I suppose the challenge is because we're doing this as amateurs, I suppose, in our part-time um, beyond our main professional lives is just making sure that we do what needs to be done. So it, I certainly have found it difficult getting a kind of clear overview of what needs to be done practically for a new charity. Well, I've been involved in charities before. Um, it's been where they've been up and running. So although, of course, you can't just carry on doing things as they've been done before, at least we've not had to go through this process of getting to grips with a new charity. So um, it, ensuring that we identify what really are the essential regulatory requirements to make sure that we don't fall foul of any of them um, we meet the deadlines, for example, for annual returns and that kind of thing has been not challenging necessarily, but because it's so important, it's felt like uh, a bit of a challenge making sure that we get the clear information. And then I suppose there's some more practical challenges. So just getting registered, for example, with the Charity Commission for the, their online services. But I suspect nothing out of the ordinary really so far. But in truth, that's because we're not operating at full speed yet, I suspect. Absolutely. Um, as a trustee of, of this charity and, and indeed other charities, it'd be interesting to know which uh, resources you found to be uh, helpful to get to grips with regulatory requirements. And yeah, in particular, this is this is interesting given your, your status as a as a barrister, as a as a as a silk, um, to yeah to, to know how how you've managed to get to grips with charity law and, and regulatory requirements. Yeah, so I, don't, I wouldn't claim any great um, expertise as a lawyer, I think, um, because it, it's not my real, you know, it's not my area of practice. So I'm approaching it, um, I suppose, I hope, like any uh, normal person would. But I suppose, I mean, the Charity Commission guidance is always going to be my starting point, both because you would hope that um, it, it, it's clear uh, but also because, you know, it's the authoritative source of guidance. And if you comply with that, then you would hope that you were complying with all the underlying legal requirements, or at the very least, if the Charity Commission have got it wrong in their guidance, at least you've got some reason for not having complied <laughs> with the underlying rules. Um, but so I suppose my what I found most helpful is guidance from the Charity Commission um, because it has that you know, combination of covering what needs to be covered, but also I hope being authoritative, albeit I suppose like any source of guidance, um, some is more accessible than others. 
No, I mean, absolutely. And I, yeah, from our perspective, charity commission guidance is definitely a very good place to start. And it seems to be a common um, thread with these uh, podcasts where uh, uh, lawyers and, and those who are very experienced in charities to those who are just starting out um, yeah, use charity commission guidance certainly as a first kind of port of call for, for any issues that come up. I'd imagine our listeners will be very interested to know that, that you also find that helpful. And you know, it's just, a, I guess, another reminder to our listeners that the Charity Commission guidance is a really great source for most issues that you may run into as a trustee. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm kind of working on the assumption that it covers everything that we need to know. Um, you know we're, a, we're always going to be a relatively small um, charity. So you know, if the, if the Charity Commission guidance does not give us what we need to run ourselves, then it seems that there's something wrong. You know, we're not going to be able to have, um, you know, the money to, to, to be able to afford to take professional advice from time to time. And Herbert Smith Freehills obviously have been very good at providing pro bono help to get us started. But I'm always going to be hesitant about coming knocking on your door again, no matter how helpful you've been so i would hope that you know between the charity trustees with our experience before we ought to make it work uh, be able to make it work based on charity commission guidance without having to go and spend a fortune on books or professional advice no no absolutely absolutely um so my last question uh is what's next for for the university of mckinney i know you've you've kind of touched on this already but i guess kind of what's the long term goal? Yes, well, I think, I mean, the, the immediate next steps really are to complete the fundraising strategy that we're working on with the university. And then hopefully I'll be um, visiting in the autumn to kind of um, nail that down. And then, I mean, on our agenda is to recruit um, two or three new trustees as we move into the operational phase, because you, we will need to be doing different things once we're actually you know, looking after some money. But it'll be really interesting, I think, to work with the university to see what sources of funding might be available. I mean, the University of McKenney is still a relatively young institution, but it's going to be it is building up quite a strong alumni base at the moment, for example. Uh, and hopefully there'll be people going from strength to strength who will be able to help with you know, fundraising for the university for the next generations, uh, and also looking at the the ability potentially to to build a relationship with the diaspora, both those based in the UK, but also potentially in the United States as well, because you know that there are plenty of people who've got pretty strong roots with Sierra Leone or connections with them as well. Um, and it will be, I mean, I'm personally looking forward to, as it were, kind of building that relationship and um, identifying hopefully all those links that exist or are lying dormant between McKenney and people all over the world. Excellent. Thanks very much, Richard. Thanks very much for, for talking us through in this episode too, some of the setup phase challenges, the regulatory challenges. You, you talked as well about maintaining independence and this I guess, constant tension between having an appropriate connection, but also an appropriate distance uh, as well with, with the university itself. So that was 
all very interesting and insightful and thank you very much for for taking the time today thank you hussein as well for for guiding us through episode two and uh, thank you to everyone who listened to this episode two and also to episode one before it and uh, please do listen out and watch out for further herbert smith freehills private wealth and charities podcasts